everybody and welcome back to our latest episode of the Making Shifts Happen podcast, the podcast all about making work more human. I'm joined again by my wonderful colleague Anne Mahler. You want to say hello Anne? Hello everyone, I'm excited to be back and I'm especially excited to talk about one of the first leaderships that we're putting into our intentional leadership toolbox. Now that the new year has started, we're ready to go. Jay, if you could just recap for us, we don't just want to like straight dive in. Maybe you could recap for us a small bit what we talk about when we talk about leaderships. What do we mean by intentional leadership? Maybe a lot of people, it's been a while since we put an episode out. Um, Maybe that's the first time for someone listening to the show. Maybe you could just give us a bit of a breakdown of what we are talking about. Yeah, so absolutely. And so intentional leadership is all about tapping into the best part of who we are, our bright side, and and leading from that place. So rather than leading from our ego, which is about competition and, you know, trying to get ahead of others, and if we have to stand on other people's heads to get there, that's more sort of, and manipulate people and play games, that's more dark side leadership. Whereas intentional leadership is is where we grow ourselves beyond that and tap into our bright best selves and, and lead from that place. And in order to do that, I guess we've created nine specific shifts, which we've categorized into the head shift, the heart shift and the hand shifts. So we've got like head shifts, heart shifts, hand shifts. And, and really within head shifts, we've got from, from firefighting to future thinking. We've got from using part of our brain to using our whole brain. And we've got from, from really being blindly ambitious to, to trying to create meaning as leaders. So that's the, that's the first set of shifts that fall under the head shift. Then the heart shift or the heart shifts we're talking about from controlling to trusting, from rigid to malleable, uh, and from career focus to building communities or community focus. And actually today we're going to talk about from controlling to trusting, which is our first heart shift. And then as well, in terms of hand shifts, we're talking about moving from being busy to being productive, from excuses to willingness to challenge self-beliefs, and, and ultimately from make, you know, ultimately from status quo to making shifts happen. So that's really when we talk about the nine shifts, they're the nine shifts to move from leading from our dark side to leading from our, from our brighter side. And, and yeah, as I say, today is all about from controlling to trusting. And so that's a quick recap for people. Again, they'll find our infographics and, and our article series on, on LinkedIn, on my LinkedIn profile, if, if people want to recap. Brilliant. It's great to have a bit of a recap um, now that the Christmas period is done and we're busy with all the tasks um, in the new year. Um, it's nice to remind ourselves. So thank you for the recap. And I suppose to the first question to get us started um, on this journey from controlling to trusting is more of a personal one. Have you ever encountered an environment at work where you felt really controlled by your leaders, where um, there was a sense of micromanagement and what was kind of the impact of that? Yeah, like I think I think everyone's experienced that, experienced that in some form or another. I mean, there's a time for controlling type leadership. Like if you're in a, in a, in a really big crisis, like our, our metaphorically, if, you know, if there's a fire in the room, then we need to control things and get out, right? So, but we always can't be in that old fashioned, top down, directive leadership style. I, I, I think it creates fear. I think I think it creates fear and it, it creates a division between the leader and and the team. So, so my experience of it when it's happened in my career, I ended up being fearful of the leader, um, rather than trusting the leader. And and 
I, I think when you're fearful of the leader, then then it really becomes a, you know, um, it really becomes what will I say, a more cautious relationship, as opposed to an open trusting relationship. So, um, yeah. So so that's my own personal experience. I think it shuts you down, and you become very careful about what you say and what you don't say, mm. um, and you just become cautious. I would say it leads to caution, which. And I think caution and not being in that psychologically safe environment just shuts people down. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so, the, so that, that's really what I would say, that when we lead in a controlling way, habitually, then I think we're not tapping into the best of the potential of the people around us. Whereas when we can tap into a more trusting way of leading, then then I think we, we, build, we build communities. When we build that trust, we we help people to flourish and, and we ultimately empower the people around us um, is, is the output of it rather than, you know, it's kind of stupid. Like, you know, the, the old saying, if you hire pe- smart people and tell them what to do, that's a more controlling directive type of leadership as, as opposed to giving general direction and leave them figure out the how themselves that, 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 that takes trust, you know? Mm, absolutely. And I'm glad that you mentioned the trust piece because obviously trust, when we do sessions and workshops, we usually say trust is like fairy dust it's really hard to define. It's really hard to grasp and to pin down. So I was wondering if you could tell us a small bit more about the science of trust as we see it and what role trust plays then if we move from this controlling piece to empowerment. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think there's there's two questions in there. And the first one is uh, around the whole concept of trust. So let, let's take that one first. Yeah. I, I mean... Trust is often seen in, you know, in the corporate world as like something we talk about and talk about. But as you said, it's like this intangible, fluffy concept, or as you said, it's like sprinkling fairy dust around. But how do you action it? How do you action trust? What's the science of trust? So, so one lens into that, or one, one way into that is through what we call the trust equation, which says that trust equals credibility plus reliability plus intimacy, or what I like to call connection, how well we are connected to others, divided by what we call self-interest, so our self-orientation under the line. So what we're basically saying is trust is directly proportional to how credible we are, so knowing our stuff in a way that doesn't come across too arrogantly. Um, Trust is directly proportional to reliability, so I do what I say I do, and if I can't meet the timeline I committed to, I basically check back in with the people I've committed to and, and renegotiate a new timeline. And then the connection piece, obviously, or the intimacy piece is how closely bonded I am to the, to the people around me and, and, and to my team, because obviously that, that, that results in trust. Uh, if I know you, if I understand you, then, then I trust you. And then the self-interest piece, trust is inversely proportionate to self-interest or, or our own agenda or our, our own career, uh, career progression, or if you like, our own egos getting our own will, our own way. So, so like that, that's really a, a good equation because you can action that. So you can a- a- always ask ourselves, are we being credible? You know, are we being reliable? And then on the connection, like in other words, doing what we're saying we're doing. And then on the connection piece, there's a whole science around that in the positive um, relationship space. We know that from John Gottman's research that like good relationships are built between, are built where we have a, five is to one positive to negative um, ratio in terms of interactions with other people. Um, and that's, that's been shown as well by, by Michael Lazada that that five is to one ratio exists in high-performing teams as well. It's not a hundred to one, 
it's five is the one. And and as we go up beyond five is the one, that ratio starts to fall off because there is an importance of some negativity in relationships. And we obviously learn from that and we understand boundaries and, and, and things like that. The interesting thing about Gottman's work is that he can tell with 94% certainty by observing the positive to negative interactions of a married couple, whether they'll divorce or not, which is really interesting. And again, as I say, that that work extrapolates across into high-performing team through, through the work works of Lazada, so Michael Lazada. So I'd ask the question, like in our teams, in our meetings, how are we having more positive than negative interactions? In my experience, I would probably say not. So the example of a positive interaction is authentically recognizing somebody or just saying thank you or anything that 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 would be perceived by the other person as a as a positive or you know positive interaction or even asking for help or giving help whereas a negative interaction is is something like shutting down somebody else's ideas so somebody comes up with an idea and you just shut it down stamp on it kill it as opposed to kind of go suspending our judgment really trying to understand the idea ask questions to understand it and then nurture it and try and grow it that's really where we want to be in terms of that's a more positive way of viewing someone's ideas because ideas are sort of directly proportional to people's feelings so and then the self-interest pieces i guess look on leadership teams a lot of the time we wear different hats we wear you know the leadership team hat we wear a department hat etc so so really are we making the interest are we making the decisions in the best interest of the leadership team the best interest of the company rather than progressing our own agenda so that's really a little bit about the the science of trust and it might it might sound like a lot in that equation but really um Brené Brown's Brené Brown uses this great metaphor around marbles that trust isn't built in big huge moments it's actually built in small moments and when somebody does something that builds trust with you it's like putting a marble in the jar putting a marble in the jar so if somebody like builds your idea you're putting a marble in the jar if somebody offers your help you're putting a marble in your jar and and like with the people who have the most marbles in your jar metaphorically then you have more trust built with those people and, and and ultimately, that's a really good metaphor for saying it's in the small moments we build trust. It's not a huge thing. It's not an intangible mm-hmm. thing. Actually, it comes down to, am I credible? Am I reliable? Can I build connection? And I can be a, can I be a team player? That's ultimately it. But I think that metaphor is quite useful. Then. And it's really good to really break it down into the components because it's so easy to say, oh, we need to build trust. But then yes. in our sessions, we always ask how. Absolutely. So I think I think having this trust equation and this breakdown of exactly what do we need and what do we and what do we need to be cautious of really helps us to break down um, the interactions that are happening and analyze exactly where are we going wrong, uh, what can we do to come at that and come back on the other side with a more positive attitude and with an environment that fosters trust instead of shutting it down. And then it's exactly like you said building in these small moments building trust then because it's not like you can have one teaming event and bam trust is built you know it's in the small um in the small moments where that happens and now that we've kind of looked at that we kind of looked at the fundamentals of trust can you maybe tell us a bit more about how we connect uh trust to empowerment and what role trust plays? Yeah, absolutely. What role trust plays in the empowerment process, and how the two go together? Yeah, absolutely. So, why one of the major reasons why trust is important, um, that leaders have trust with with their teams really, and that there's trust within the teams, is that trust is an enabler of of empowerment. So, 
when again empowerment's one of those words like trust or strategy if you ask 100 people the definition you get 100 different answers so so really when we think of empowerment we think of a pro- so how do you do it even if you ask somebody how do you how do you empower somebody we often don't get a tangible answer so what we like to talk about is this four c's of empowerment that's our process but the first c of empowerment is the courage to let go so 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 trust is an enabler of that if i don't if i don't trust somebody then i'm i'm not gonna it's going to be harder for me to have the courage to let go so trust enables that process so so the first step in empowerment is 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 for the leader to have the courage to let go and trust enables that, as I just said. So, so that's why it's fundamentally important in, in the in the process of empowerment. But then, what also helps us, um, trust, is the second C, which is about capabilities. So, if, like I mean, empowerment isn't the answer to everything. If we empower people that aren't capable, it can actually be a train wreck. So, like really, once we've let go, it's much easier for us to let go when we trust the person, but also when we know the capabilities in place. So, and if the capability is not in place, we, in parallel or upfront, we'll have to build those capabilities in people so that they're actually capable of being empowered. So, so that might be, so if, if I'm at, if I'm empowering somebody with, the, with a task, my first question is, okay, can I trust them with it? Do they have the right capability with it far, far to deliver this task? Right. And then as well, the next question is really around support. Obviously we often misinterpret empowerment as abdication of responsibility. And we just go, I'm just going to throw it over the fence and off you go. Whereas actually we see empowerment as an active process. So that's, and that's the third C, which is about check-ins. So it's not about micromanagement. It's like, well, how are you getting on? You should do it this way, blah, 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 blah. But those pre-scheduled check-ins, once you've let go and you've built the capability or you're building the capability, having those in the calendars to say, look, these are, these are check-ins so I can help you remove any roadblocks that might be in your way in terms of what I've empowered you with. And, and what support you might need. And, and during these checking calls, I think that coaching or facilitative style is appreciative inquiry is really important rather than saying, rather than somebody coming to the call and going, I've hit a problem here, here and here. And then you tell them the solution. It's more about asking the questions to kind of help them explore it in their own head so they can find their own solutions. And it's a bit like saying, if you give, if you give a woman a fish, you feed her for today. Um, if you give, if, if you teach a woman how to fish, you, you feed her for life, right? So it's, it, it it's that it's about it's about helping teaching how teaching the people how to fish for their own answers right and by doing that you're building capability as well rather than just throwing them the fish throwing them the answer because that's it's quicker but in the longer term you're, you're not developing more leaders and that's one of the key things of, of leaders i guess is developing more leaders that's one of the responsibilities i would say of leaders so so we kind of have that that approach and around around empowerment and if people want to go on to LinkedIn again and our article around around from controlling to empowerment, we have we actually have a seven step process where where we where we where we break it down into seven specific steps, that empowerment process of um, the courage to let go, building the capabilities, check-ins and coaching. So yeah, that's you know, I think what one of our competitive advantages is making shift happen really is that we try to break things down into simple, doable steps as opposed to fluffy theory. So, and that's an example of that. And whilst you were talking there, uh, what popped into my head was the term upskilling. Mm. 
just this idea of making sure that you upskill throughout. And uh, if I remember correctly, the cover image for the article on LinkedIn is actually a scaffold. Speaking to your point that it's not just one moment of abdication, but it is really having a scaffold that we move up and that we, a framework almost, that we work within. So it's really like a process, like you said, it's not one moment of abdication and real empowerment really is a process. And I suppose to close us out today, um, my final question would be, okay, so controlling to empowering, fantastic. But why is empowering, in your opinion, so important, especially now? Yeah, well, I, I, I think just to go back to your 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 metaphor you know i guess we wouldn't if we have a vision and we have an inspirational vision which is kind of a vision for the house right then the scaffold is the empowerment as the enabling structure to build the house so you know there's no way we'd build a house without a scaffold so so why would we empower people without the right scaffold in place either right so 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 it brings you i think empowerment can bring you to places where you can get answers that surprise you so like there's no point there's no point having intelligent people as I said earlier and hiring intelligent people and telling them what to do you might as well just get like robots so so I, I think the most important there's many reasons why empowerment's important the one thing is that you might get solutions you'd never have got before because people people think differently to you two I think it's really important from an engagement perspective that we're listening to people we're listening to their opinions and we're taking them on board and we're allowing them room to grow and flourish themselves. So I think, you know, empowering other people is a really good thing as well in terms of their own leadership development because they'll make mistakes, you know, they'll fail, they'll learn, they, they'll adapt. It won't be perfect. It won't be how you how you do it. But but I think that's that's where we've got to get a, let our egos go and say, it mightn't be how I do it, but you know, is the quality of the product or the work, is it, is it acceptable? Uh, you know, and if that, and if it is, then, then that's fine. So I think switching our mindset to controlling the process of getting work done to actually focusing on outcomes, then, then, then that, that, that's what I, I think is needed to get to that place of empowerment because I know for a fact, my how and your how on doing a piece of work on is, is different but we probably get the similar outcomes, but just different ways. Like you'd be more structured. I'd be probably just a bit, you know, I'd probably go a bit messy and wide first and then bring it into something more structured. So, but the outcomes could be similar, you know, in, in that example, uh, and it might be slightly different and that that's okay as well. But I think we need to, it helps us shift to that outcome focus. And, and when we shift to like measuring outcomes, that frees the leader up who's empowering that person up to actually do strategic work. So rather than me micromanaging the person who's reporting to me, if I'm just going to say, no, I, you know, I trust you, we've created a scaffold of the four C's. I trust you to build that house, for example, within that framework, and we're going to have regular check-ins where I can support you. That's fantastic. Now I can go off and lead the, lead the business or lead the organization because that's my job as a leader. So I think one of the biggest reasons why empowerment is important is that it, without it, leaders can't lead. You can't micromanage and spend all your time doing that and create the vision for the future of the organization and really like, you know, create and drive and drive the strategy. So 
so that that's probably one of the biggest whys you know so there's a number of whys there to recap I suppose one why is it's great for engagement the other why is you, you might get solutions that surprise you the other why is that it actually allows you to get on with your work as a leader and and it's the right thing to do culturally as well so um yeah there's no point to hiring smart people and telling them what to do not saying they'll always get it right but at least they'll they'll be finding their own way in the world really it's a bit like it's a bit like parenting in a way you can micromanage the process of someone learning to walk or you just leave them fall and and they're gonna and 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 they're gonna learn they're gonna learn that way obviously within you don't do it around swimming pools you don't do it around main roads but you do it within certain constraints and there's certain constraints within empowerment as well it's a contracting process and that's why the four c's are there to clarify um what it is and how you do it you know and we're back at the scaffold in terms of learning to walk, you know, <laughs> which is a fantastic, Absolutely. which is a fantastic metaphor for that. So thank you very much for that recap. And Jay, if people want to learn more about intentional leadership in general, about all the different leaderships and specifically the leadership that we talked about today from controlling to empowering, where can people find some resources and find out more about our work? Yeah. So, I mean, look, at the moment, I mean, the, one of the best places I mentioned it already to go to is, is, is my own LinkedIn profile where you find all the articles, you know, you, you've helped create as well. And, and obviously you find it on, the, you find some more information, uh, just around making shift happen in general on our website. That's, uh, www.makingshifthappen.ie. And, uh, yeah, so that, that's, that's it. That's where you can find out more. And I mean, I really like that we've shifted to this like 20 minute punchy podcast because um, I, I think that's what people have the attention span for now yeah. in the world. So I think going forward, we'll keep, you know, stick to those uh, 20 minute pu punchy podcasts where you actually can take away. I've got the four seeds of empowerment. I've got the trust equation. Now my question to the listeners is, so what are you going to do with them? Amazing. Great. We're throwing the ball over onto the other side of the court. And now it's up to you, dear listeners. And if you have any feedback, if you want to share your thoughts, make sure to reach out to us, like Jay said, on LinkedIn. Uh, you can also contact us through our website. And we're always excited uh, to hear from you and to share uh, your experiences as well. So Jay, thanks again for sharing your expertise with us, for sharing your insights and anecdotes. It was fantastic as usual. And we'll see you again in the next episode of the Make It Shift Happen podcast when we will discuss another leader shift. Thank you very much, Jay. Thanks so much, Anne, for being the hostess with the mostess. <laughs> Thanks. This episode of the Making Shift Happen podcast was written and produced by Jay Chopra and Anna Mahler. Find more information about Making Shift Happen and our producers on LinkedIn. If you want to know more about the topics discussed in our episodes or reach out to us, send us a message and check out our article series and posts on LinkedIn to join the conversation. You can also find more information under makingshifthappen.ie.